0: Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.
1: Hey, guys, why don't we eat? I
2: do of course, I love your spam. I love it. I'm in spam, spam, spam.
3: Lights. Cold lights. Cold lights.
2: Cold lights. Cold lights. Any hey, man fancy a pint? Suit you, sir. Spam, 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 baked beans. Spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any
4: damn
1: vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know?
0: Mmm, forbidden donut. Donut. Just like that, and we're on air. Twelve 31 here on a Sunday, and three triple R F M. Good afternoon, fabulous people. It's great to know that we are back to normal.
1: Where, but what is normal? Normal with quotation marks around yes. the side. Normal. It like it feels slightly more normal. Yes, it's but like it... a. It is
0: like a return. Um, but um, there's a whole bunch of acknowledgements that we have to make, first mm-hmm. of all, to all those, well, outer suburbs, Victorians, Melburnians. Yes. Victorians, if you are still
1: without power, oh, goodness me, we, um, we are thinking of you. It is a crappy time of year to be a few days without power and in some cases running water as well. So. Running
0: water, watching the food go off in the fridge. Yeah, hey, yes. listen, we're... Uh, we're feeling for you, and also a big ups and big shout-out to all those people in
1: the SES with chainsaws and four-wheel drives and the people that have been keeping us safe. The people that get up in the middle of the night when these things go down rather than us, we just sort of snuggle under our dooners and pretend it's not happening, whereas, yeah, um, yeah, it's good that the SES can get out there and help as many people.
0: We've spoken about this in the past, and I think you were the first one that said it to me, and I thought to myself, gosh, he's a smart guy, and he said the people that... Run Towards the Danger. Yes. So um, a big ups to um, all you guys. We're going to have a bit of a chat to uh, John at the market later on in the show. Yep. It's a bit of a short one because uh, I'll be honest (laughs) with you, I have this little recorder called Vladimir. Um, who I do my recording on. It's a little bit old school now. It was ah. cutting
1: edge once upon a time. And he runs on four little AA batteries. He
0: does, and he goes really, really well. And he'll go from um, – well, it's a funny thing. He goes from three bars – it should be four when it's four to virtually nothing, so it was a little bit of a <laughs> how shall we put this a bum clench interview where mm. I went oh I think got to run out of power. So we've got a little market report with him, and we will uh, be discussing some of the ramifications that this weather might have on supply yes. and prices. Matt, Cameron, Geraldine Hickey, yes. We should give her a huge hug, big bouquet, and say we're going to miss you, girl. Um, I don't know if you're listening to the show, but uh, for those that have been listening to Breakfasters,
1: the incredible contribution she has made to it. And, of course, the down low where we first got to meet her. It's funny. I actually tweeted earlier this week and said, hey, Jez, we've never met, uh, but, you know, you've been yeah. really good. And it, it only occurred to me after that that she did the show that followed this show for six months or nine months. And mm-hmm. we just never met because we're sort of ships in the night when you're sort of following on a show. But, um, yeah, so five, six odd years at Triple R and just finishing up. So, bravo, Jez. Big hugs. Yes. bon chance, girl. Bon oh,
0: chance oh, so got a French, which just means you're good on you good um you you've been great for this station, and yes. uh, look forward to hearing all incredible things that you do in the future <laughs> um swallowed by a whale I've just got to just bring this because it is the most once we've got the whole thing of uh, <laughs> terrible weather um and
1: beautiful people that yeah. have left this thing um. How's that story? That is just insane. I saw it. So I think in the Guardian overnight, there was some some guy, some fisher guy, looking for lobsters. I think in America, he
0: was a lobster fisherman uh, who works without a net. Yes, <laughs> who works in the water with with a wetsuit. So yeah. he's already kind of danger man anyway. Yeah because uh, one of the things they say that you shouldn't do is sort of impersonate a seal yeah. Right. Uh, because sharks kind of might mistake yeah, you, which, exactly, yeah. which can kind of ruin your day. Um, but this guy did something
1: biblical, or actually this big fish did something biblical to the guy. Yes, they swallowed him. Well, not swallowed, but got him in his mouth, <laughs> or the, the mouth the, of the, the humpback the, whale. The, he was in, it was dark, and he's looking around going, where the hell am I? And he was tr- feeling around, and he
0: went, hang about, there's no teeth. Because he realised he'd been <laughs> swallowed by a thing. Yes. And then all of a sudden apparently this whale's going, oh, what the hell was that? Um, you know, I don't know how whales speak, you know, <laughs> or the, the thought process of the whale. Yeah. We haven't really thought about it much till, no. since Ben Elton had the, you know, the whale or the, the, the missile that turned into a whale that was yes. hurtling towards mm. the earth. Uh, having an existential crisis. That was Douglas Adams, actually. Yes. But this was instead of existential, this is probably more interdental crisis Mm. that this whale had. And apparently it started shaking from side to side and the guy's in there going, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. And then suddenly got flung out.
1: And the only thing that happened to him, he had a dislocated knee. Yeah, right. Yeah,
0: anyway. It, and
1: an amazing story. Yeah, but, but apparently he was, I know we're laboring this, but apparently he was in the jaws of this creature long enough mm. to, be, to, to be having logical thoughts around, well, what's going to happen now? Am I going to get swallowed? I'm still breathing through my scuba. So what happens when the air runs out?
0: No, he did think he was going to die yeah. when I want to buy. Anyway, so just that's, we don't usually touch, <laughs> uh, what category do we put this miscellaneous crazy news? Absurd. Absurdity. absurdity, yes. Yes, absurdity. All right. Um, someone who isn't absurd, of course, is Nigel Woods. Yes. Um, Wood. He uh, he is the truffle man because um, when the weather gets cold, one of the things we look forward to, mm. as well as Daphne in the garden, I'll just let that hang <laughs> um, is, um is the fact that Tuber melanosporum is happening in a symbiotic relationship with uh, with fabulous oak trees and hazel trees. And they provide beautiful truffles for us. Yes. Um, which is, uh, I don't know, it, it's this sort of short day extravagance that we have this time of year. Yes. And, um, yeah, we're going to have a chat to Nigel who grows truffles and there's going to be a bit of a truffle festival happening at the Queen Victoria Market, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, funny, you might here that it was postponed, as uh, just just about every goddamn event was in June. I would have liked to have made some money in June, but uh, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Um, But that has been postponed, and we're going to talk to Nigel, who apparently had to beat a path up to his property because um, there were, I don't know, a million trees were across it, so we'll hear about that, how truffle season is. Do truffles like water?
1: I don't think they do, we'll, we'll, ask, we'll, we'll ask the expert. I was just thinking how blessed we've been on this show to over, what, 2025 20, is to see the growth of the Australian truffle industry. So it, in the 90s, just didn't exist. Everything it, was imported from France. It did not, and we can thank uh, Dr. David
0: Hall in New Zealander, who worked out um, how to inoculate the roots of oak trees mm. and hazelnut trees so you can have your own truffles at home. Uh, so as
1: long as your climate's right, you know, and all that sort and of you stuff. And you've got a dog to find them.
0: And you have a dog or a
1: very determined pig. <laughs> it's what they do in France, the <laughs> massive truffle pigs. And yeah. you've then got to somehow get yourself between the yeah. pig and the truffle.
0: Yeah. Pierre, what happened to your finger? Oh, well, you know, it's the pig, the couchant, the couchant, like the. Stop top, doing French accents. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Unpeace to do accents now. Um, but yes, pigs really. Want mm. the truffle. That's why dogs are kind of good because you just give them a schmacko or <laughs> non-trademarked uh, dog treat yes. and, uh, and um, you know, stave off the dog and uh, mm. you get the truffle. Uh, we will go to market, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. and it's been a great party for a certain person. Mm. His name is John Flower. Uh, John Flower was, uh, we could say, an early stalwart of the Melbourne hospitality scene. Yes. Uh, Has had a couple of restaurants with none of you have ever heard of. (laughs) And I'm talking about a few people that are in the studio. I made
1: you feel very old by just giving you blank looks. (sighs) Yeah, the wrinkles have creased across my eyes when I was talking about
0: The last Aussie fish calf. Surely out there someone remembers it. Mm. Um, But... Uh, Also, the Copper Pot in Bendigo, which was probably one of the first really, really great restaurants in regional Victoria. Mm. Uh, John Flower was uh, the name of the man. And he moved from hospitality to looking after restaurants Mm -hmm. and then events. And it's got to be said that for him, life has been a great series of parties and putting on great, great events. And one of the things that I always thought about John, because I always loved John, I thought he was mm. um, a, a very quality person, that if you went to an event, if you went to something, you went out for, you had you were lucky enough to be invited. And mm. in my position of doing this little show, I have been lucky to be invited to, to things like that. But whenever I saw John there, I would think to myself, ah, this is going to be a good event because John Flower is organising it. So we're going to have a little bit of a chat to him and acknowledge his life in hospitality, mm. maybe talk about a restaurant that no one's heard of. <laughs> Surely some of you have out there. His life in events and maybe as well as what some of the best events he's been to and done, mm. what have been some of the worst? You know, the Don La Merde experience? Mm-hmm. Perhaps he'll tell us a little bit about that. Um, What else has been happening here? Uh,
1: Not much. I was going to say, just obviously with the opening of, or the easing of restrictions, to use the Hackney phrase, uh, in the last few days, I was, my local pub in South Melbourne, there is an excellent place called Lamaro's. Um, and we managed to get ourselves in there for a couple of beers and some food yesterday. It was really, really busy, which yes. is good to see. Yes. Um, the What's pub- the go-to dish at La Mara's? Well, they've just changed their menu. I had the lamb shank, which Genius. was just nice. insane. They do a good schnitzel there, don't they? They do. They do. Um, so that's my local. The Publican's a are, are, are bloke by the name of Paul DiMatina, who's a famous sort of football and sure coffee is. family in Melbourne. Um, yeah. But I sort of read during the lockdown that pubs like that are losing and hospital venues are losing tens of thousands of dollars a week when they couldn't trade. So Mm. I'm saying it's great to go to a place like that and see it busy again. Mm. And for those of us who are lucky enough to still have a salary or a wage or an ability to go out and – spend a bit of money, um, I think it's really important to keep these places busy. And if you can't afford the lamb shank at Lamar's, yep, even just go around the corner and order a, a cup of coffee from your local cafe because I think we just really need to keep these places as busy as we can just to get everyone through and do uh, whatever we can to keep, keep the industry on its feet because it's um, once again had a really tough few weeks. Yeah, so to reiterate and paraphrase, if you've got the bucks, yeah. get out there and
0: spend it at a restaurant and – Oh give this um give this industry a bit of a, a help up because yes. it has been such a time for hospitality industry. Um That's probably about it. I've been doing
1: a little bit of congee at home. You love a bit of congee, don't you? I haven't done home congee yet.
0: I've actually, yeah, there's actually, if you go to my Instagram, eat at Cam Smith, you can see a picture of some congee. And I was wondering, one of the things that I was pondering over Mm -hmm. in June, because we're going to be speaking to Nigel very shortly, is how would a truffled congee Mm taste? I think it could be a good vehicle. Ponderous. It's 12:14 here on 3Triple RFM. We're going to be speaking with Nigel Wood after this.
2: This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organization in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au.
0: Triple R is the station you're listening to. And uh, using the miracle of the modern phone, something that we've been doing a fair bit during COVID. Let's face it. Yes. Um, it's a shame I can't see your beautiful smiling face, Nigel Wood, but we've got you on the phone, Mister Truffle. How's it going?
4: Pretty good. Pretty good. Did you him- in the car with the, Sitting in the car with the new Truffle dog, uh, the the uh, Pompey, the uh, standard black turtle, Dan. Yeah.
0: Ah, is it grown? I've, I've just, I met your what's the dog's name again? Pompey, Pompey, as in the Pompadour Centre, or as in, well, it's a
4: the short version of the story is when I was growing up, uh, I had a great grandfather whose nickname was Pompey. Oh, that's and right. He yes, had, you had um, And he had he had a, a white standard poodle, and so of course, uh, with um, uh, with with me sort of being pretty much keen on. Uh, wearing black and black truffle, and
0: all the yeah, rest of it, had yeah. to be a black standard poodle. You, didn't, so, want, you yeah. didn't want to so have too much contrast up. there. Yeah. So Pompey right. uh, and I met Pompey, and it was um, it was a very small dog with huge feet, and it's obviously growing into those. Yeah. Big time. Big, Big time. time yeah. Big dog. <laughs> and uh, what does it think of the smell of truffle? And most importantly.
4: Uh, we went hunting yesterday um Cam. he's he's only he, yesterday was his 4 months birthday so
0: yeah, he's just a, he's a little tucker.
4: he's got his l plates on mm. uh so he was learning from the shepherds and just uh, from the Aussie shepherds that um uh that regularly hunt our place each each week and um yeah, he's getting the hang of it cool. that said, cool. we had as you alluded to earlier we <laughs> that storm that um uh, yes. came through last week you couldn't get into the you couldn't get into the farm. No, um, uh, you had to walk in. The tracks had three hundred year old trees blown down, like lots of three hundred year old trees, um, not truffle trees, but uh, no. uh, big gum trees on the farm blown blown down across the track. So, we've we've had a couple of challenges uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks. Um, Cam
0: general yeah. area that you're in, please, Nigel, just to give people an idea. You don't need to give an address. Okay, but- so the
4: so the farm's on uh, the eastern side of Western Port Bay. So to yeah. down near the Phillip Island turnoff
0: is yeah. where we are, Kent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, that area got hit with. Well, that was where all I was. You know, we were all watching, and it was just streaming through. And um, and it took you a few days to actually enter the property properly. Yeah. Is that yeah, that's correct? Right.
4: That's right. Well, we can't. We still can't get. We still. I've got my. my Fortunately, my brother-in-law is pretty handy with uh, with a chainsaw. I'm, I'm in Melbourne now, but um, yes, he's been he, he, he and he, he and a couple of others have been uh, on the chainsaw for a couple of days trying to clear the track. So it's still not done.
3: Far out! I Far had out. to walk
4: out this morning. I had to walk out this morning when I came up from Mel- when I came up from the bar. <laughs> it's tricky, yeah. but I've got the truffles with me, Cam. So all important.
0: All yeah. Important. Okay. And no, this is good to focus it back on the uh, the black gold, the tuber melanosporum. This uh, yep, this, yep. this bounty from the soil that uh, mm. that has such a great symbiotic relationship with its little host. How has harvest been?
4: Got off to a really good start.
0: Yes. Right across the country because it's been Cause nice and the, cold.
4: Y- you might remember, um, yeah, late May was. Um, uh, was really cold. We had yes. uh, some really, really cold temperatures. We had, uh, you know, ice in the truffle dog's bowl. Um, I think it's, I think uh, we had uh, we had a minus one. Mm. Um,
0: that would put a smile on exactly, your face.
4: Exactly what you want for uh, for ripening the truffle camps.
0: So there's, there's not many not, people I'm, that take such great um, comfort <laughs> and delight in cold weather as you, Nigel. <laughs>
4: that's that's absolutely true. Yeah. Um, so really good start uh, to the season on uh, all around the country because of that early cold but um, this week, n- not only the challenge of the storm, but the overnight temperatures are actually quite warm. So when we hunted yesterday, mm. um uh fewer truffles than i than I expected so I, yes. I was a little bit disappointed with yesterday yes and I'm hoping the cold comes back
3: there you go <laughs> pretty See, quickly.
0: and and also yeah. um uh, cold and relatively dry because um truffles tend to rot if they get too wet is that correct
4: yeah that's right they don't yeah. they, they, they don't like the, they don't like the moisture uh, temps. that so, much a you know, trick for people when uh, if you if you're lucky enough to uh, find a fresh truffle at our uh, Queen Vic Market pop up, or you buy one online yes. uh, from trufflemelbourne.com, or wherever else. Yes. Um, the trick is to really keep the moisture away. Change paper towel da- daily when you put them in with your eggs mm. or your rice to infuse. Mm. Um, so yeah, they don't like they don't like moisture. That's uh, that's certainly true. Go but on. we're in the fortunate position where the soil at, uh, the farm is is well drained, and we're on a bit of a hill, so. Uh, so they're not sitting around in water at our place, which is
0: great. They're not; it's not pooling up. Now you did mention something about uh, a pop up festival uh, that is yep. was going to be uh, quite shortly, but because of well the changing nature of uh, of life in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, you've yep. moved it to what date?
4: Uh, we're, we're now on 10 and 11 of uh, July, so Saturday 10, Sunday 11 July at Queen Vic Market, mm-hmm. and um, basically uh, a full entertainment program right through the weekend, um, uh, live truffle chef demos, uh, live truffle dog demos, and affordable all truffle right.
0: taste all, all Wait, the way around. Are we going to yeah. see the standard poodle? Are bringing uh, Pompey? Uh, I'm going to bring Pompey along as well. Pompey. Yeah, you bet. We'll see, yep. we'll see what Pompey's chops are like, huh? Um, <laughs> and um, so with the uh, with the advent of this season, um, uh, your suggestions for those that might have L plates or uh, might be thinking of new ways to do a truffle, what is the very, very best way to express this tuber?
4: Look, simple as best can, I reckon. Um, mm. I, I just love a, a, a truffled scrambled egg. Yeah, me too. um, Yeah, I I, I, I think that's pretty, you know, that's one of my go-tos. Yeah. Uh, I heard you talking about congee before. I think congee would work, actually. I think it will. I'm
0: I'm going to have a go at that, and and luckily I know someone I can get some truffles off. So um, this this is kind of good. But then I also had this just vision just before of... Imagine a plate of just the most beautiful silky taglatelli noodles, right? And they've been yep. just beautifully cooked. And then on yep. top of that is like a poached egg. Maybe a poached duck egg, just to make it a bit more and yep. Yep. and then on top of that, then you shave the truffle and then a grind of pepper. That would be pretty yep. good too. Unctuous. It would. Spooky. Uh, and, and
4: microplaning is uh Shaving is good, Cam, but microplaning is um, is a bit of a trick to max. You get it. You, you, you yeah. max out the surface area a bit more when you use a microplane, and so shaving is great for eye eye appeal. Yeah,
0: but, but if you but want to taste,
4: maximize sh- yeah, if you really want to, to, to max out the aroma, mm-hmm. um, the mm-hmm. microplane's uh, a pretty handy thing to do as well. What well, my one of my other favourites, and I've made um, made this uh, twice already this season, is. Um, is a truffle roast chicken. So, basically, Love that. Um,
0: oh Matt, Matt just did a little whistling yeah. sound
4: with his with his lips. <laughs> the, the trick with that one is mm. slide sliced truffle under the under the skin on mm. the, on the bread. Yeah, but but um, make the stuffing with some microplane truffle and your favourite stuffing ingredients. Yeah, and then wrap it in um, cellophane for 24 hours. So you, you prep it. Uh, 24 or 48 hours before you actually cook it, mm. and the um, the truffle will infuse right through the uh, right through the chook, and then you roast it with your favourite veggies, and um, and 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 it's a, it's an absolute delight. And again, it's one of those simple as best things,
0: I think. Indeed, and can I give one more little, just a little addendum to that? When you have roasted your chook, everybody knows now because we're all evolved creatures that you need to rest the meat. Yeah, tick, yep. so we all know that. Yep. A great idea is you get a big stainless steel bowl or a big bowl, whatever big bowl you have, and then you make sort of a collar out of alfoil. What you do is you then put the chook breast side down to rest, not laying on its yep. back, but on its yep. on its what's left of its tummy, shall we say, sorry, yep. vegetarians out there. Yep. Um, and what that does is that all the juices then go down into that breast meat and it is Absolutely. so juicy and it's yep. so good. that's the way to do it. Nigel, um, so Truffle Festival, wins it on again? Give me those dates one more time. 10
4: and 11 July, Queen Vic Market. And uh, yep. there's also a, hunt pro, a truffle hunt program. who yep. really want that kind of uh, experience and uh, our dining program's been a bit delayed, Cam, but um, uh, again with the whole COVID thing, but, um, but people can book uh, those things uh, or find out more information at TravelMelbourne.com
0: I was going to say, surely there must be a website What's that re- website there, again? There is it's com. That's catchy. I like it. Nigel, I hope yeah. you uh, are able to beat a path to your door of your uh, of your farm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> regards to Pompey, great to speak with you, and we'll speak again soon. Take care. Take care, Matt. Triple right, R. this thing's on. We hear the squeaking of polystyrene. That can only mean one thing. We're at the Queen Victoria Market. Well, you are. You've joined us together. Not in the sunshine, but we've got to be together, and it's, it's kind coming. Of nice. It's
2: coming. Look, the, the great clouds are parting. Oh, wow. And it'll be a beautiful Melbourne
0: day. All we need is a holy choir singing. It's going to be like a 1950s religious movie. <laughs> yeah, that might happen later what? in the day. You never know. Yeah, that could be kind of nice. John, a very, very good. When we get to the broadcast, it'll be afternoon. So let's be uh, let's be broadcasting and say good afternoon, John. And I'll say buongiorno in Italian. Hey, buongiorno to you. That sums it up
2: nicely, too.
0: It's good to see you. Yeah, it's it nice to be in front of you. Um, how did you uh, manage these last two weeks? And uh, I suppose. What do we got to look? F- what do
2: we have to look forward to? Well, we've been rather fortunate because um, a lot of the local, which I mean, inner city people, have been coming shopping, mm. and those that could came, and we did a few deliveries. Bless. So we did oh, yeah, okay. The good. Yeah, we yeah. did a few yeah. deliveries. So now that it's opened up again, people came out yesterday yeah. um, with a vengeance, and they showed their hunger because they kept on saying, "John." Supermarket veggies, forget about it. The local stuff wasn't bad, but, you know, we missed the market. And more routines, oh. because we Victorians are very staid. We like to do our things. Monday we do one thing. The weekend we go shopping and so on. So oh. you miss your routines.
0: Yeah, you do. Yes. And, uh, and I remember the with the hard lockdown, I mean, I was uh, sentenced to... Uh Uh, vegetables under the fluorescent lights for a very very long time and I miss that so it's interesting that people are already acknowledging that after two weeks.
2: Oh definitely and um, it's just as well they've come back to the market because um, they can pick up a lot of stuff that's just been picked and packed from Victoria. Yep. Um, But it saddened me I said to one of the boys that sells me carrots he gave me some carrots from Gippsland Yes. And um, I said, I oh, geez, this family, uh, they're well off, aren't they? He said, yeah, they might have been. He said, the farm's under two metres of water at the moment. He said, they're going to lose the stock, the topsoil. Uh, they're going to have to wait for it to dry out. And then they're going to have to replenish the soil. Yeah. So it's rather tragic for some people at the moment.
0: So Um, how long do you reckon before they get back on their feet?
2: I'd say they lose a good season, maybe 12 months or more. Yes. Um, And it's rather heartbreaking when you're there every day and you see... First, you've got to wait for the water to go. That's devastating enough. And then secondly, when you see the devastation... um, because if you go onto some of these farms, they're beautiful. The rows are all straight. Oh, the meticulous, vegetables. Meticulous. Yeah, yes. meticulous. There are no weeds. Uh, they, yes. they even pull weeds by hand instead of uh, spraying. Uh, everything's beautiful. The roads are nice and straight. Organised so they can get in, do what they've got to do, mm. get the fresh veggies out and keep us all happy. And when you see the devastation, I think it'd be like losing someone from the family.
0: Oh, it'd be. It'd be. It'd be very, very hard, um, yeah. he said, yeah. with, uh, with great understatement. And um, I wonder if we're going to see uh, this reflected, because this was an East Coast pretty much wide event. wasn't oh, all,
2: all the way up to the north of Australia, not just in
0: Victoria. So, And, and super cold weather in New South Wales, so I would Definitely. imagine there'd be a bit of frost damage as well.
2: Yes, um, but strangely enough, our tomatoes, which we call Doncaster tomatoes... I know, this was... They're they're now growing in Coldstream. Yeah, it's good to get excited.
0: Don't worry. But it was incredible. So what was the news? That they pretty much came through unscathed. Well,
2: I I said to Tony, how did the tomatoes survive? Did you lose them all? And he said no. Who's Tony again? Tony Lanza. He grows out Doncaster tomatoes. his name properly.
0: Lanza. Tony learns that. Yeah. Don't, don't mess with now, him, and he knows how to grow tomatoes. That's right. Well, he's on the
2: side of the hill. He's got vines on one side, forest on another, and I'm sure he's got pine trees like everyone else yeah. on a breaker. Yes. And uh, the tomato survived, so he's still picking from the field, believe it or not. We, and what are we, mid-June?
0: Yeah, yeah. I know. We've been talking about this guy off and on, folks, um, and I don't know, I have this vision of one of the most sheltered, best-aspected farms yes. in the whole state. Yes, yes. And one of the um,
2: uh, TV shows, uh, the cooking shows, wanted to go onto the farm and film. Yeah. He said, sorry, I don't let anyone in,
0: oh, and I don't man. have time for you. Yeah, no, <laughs> Double smart They're <yeah. laughs> Very proud as well. Keep the TV um, production crew. Yes, away. Yes, that's right. <laughs>
2: um, so, yes, yeah, so we're still enjoying the local <laughs> tomatoes, but... Um, Pretty soon we'll swap over to Murray Bridge, so we'll have a good supply uh, through winter.
0: Yeah, because we're almost at the winter solstice.
2: Yeah, so a lot of things have already um, changed. Like peas and beans, we're getting out of Queensland now, and they've shot up to 15 a kilo uh, (laughs) hand-harvested. Yes, Yes, hand-harvested and hand-picked hand-packed, yes. but you can still get some machine picked around cheap.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, expect to pay a lot more than that. That's a lot of money now, but uh-huh. expect to pay more, uh-huh. maybe even 20 a kilo. Yeah,
0: and but, as, as we say, maybe it's time to move on to the beans or... Just grab a handful.
2: Yeah, grab a handful. A handful. Nothing wrong with having uh, mm-hmm. six or seven beans on the plate, just to change
0: yeah. the shape and colour of things. And how about if, for the money that you uh, you might save on the beans, not getting like a big bag and just a handful, you could be getting a whole bunch of avocados because avocados oh, seem to be bloody cheap as. We've one. had a feast Sunday. Right.
2: One of the boys was throwing out trays of ripe ones for five bucks.
0: Trays, and, uh, trays. How many a tray? Fifteen, yeah, lots. Um, Yeah, five bucks.
2: Yeah, they had to be used, um, you know, within a few days. But you know, we put some in the fridge, and I think we had the last one last night. Yeah. Um, But there are other things you can have. There's um, broccoli. It's up a little bit. Six dollars for the best stuff. Three, four dollars for a little bit uglier looking stuff, but still edible. And there's so much Chinese vegetables out there too. Uh, the Asian greens, you can do so much with them as well. Mm. So, uh, you know, we've always got f- good food. But normally, what I say is that when our Victorian stuff finishes, we're lucky we moved to New South Wales or Queensland. But as you said before, a lot of them have been uh, decimated or, if not, just affected by the cold. So, yeah. there'd be a short, everything will be short.
0: Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, all right. Well, um, what we might do. Because uh, this battery looks like it's getting pretty low. Is <laughs> uh, I might get you to tell me the, uh, the pick of the markets, please.
2: Well, we might do something strange. We've still got Australian grapes, believe it or not, so we'll talk about them. Mm. Uh, I've always had black muscatels with a seed. And I got another variety, it's called Sable. It's a big grape like a muscatel, a little bit longer rather than round. That's
0: a new one, I'm um, that.
2: Yeah, it comes from the States as well, so it's not uh, new to Australia, but this one's grown here. Um, seedless, big, juicy, black skin. Very tasty, nearly as memorable as a muscatel. Wow. And in our beautiful tomatoes, we've got a wide range of cherry truss, mini-aroma trass. We've got a bigger mini truss. Um We've got the um, rouge de Marmont, which we call Adelaide tomatoes, black russians. They're all running at about $14 a kilo now but people are still happy to buy half a kilo, yep. and they snack on them during a the week rather than have lollies. So oh, that's it's much idea. better, trust me, yep. and cheaper too. Yeah, more vitamins. Yeah, true. and we've got new season savoy cabbages. They're beautiful. I've cut them into four. That's how big they are. Yep. Go home and steam that with a bit of tomato and onion, um, or you can make a soup. You name it, you can do it. Slaw. Cabbage, coleslaw, you can do the rolls if you got yes, the time. Yes, 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 and the energy. And like I said, we had those, have those beautiful carrots from Victoria. Yeah we have still got a lot of carrots from Western Australia. They're our saviour always.
0: Radicchio's around. Radicchio, it's put beautiful. it. Have it with some orange in the salad. Yeah, that's a sore point. where
2: Joey's been asking his mum to do it, and she keeps forgetting.
0: What to but get the oranges or the radicchio?
2: To put both together, we normally have it with our green salad. Oh my god! Yeah, but it's beautiful. That little bit of bitterness and the sweetness of the salad. It's perfect. It's, it's like life, and it's a good palate cleanser as well. After. Agrodolce. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then we got beautiful. Capsicums, um, anything from four dollars to six dollars a kilo. Yeah. The long bullhorn, ten dollars a kilo. People have been barbecuing them Mm. and uh, stuffing them. Stuffing
0: them. Love stuffing those.
2: So get around the market. There's Brussels sprouts out there. There's beautiful corn from Queensland. Mm. You name it, we got it all. And the fruit. Have a look how much is there. There's about six types of apples. Two types of mandarins, if not more. Kiwi fruit. pears, kiwi
0: fruit, three types of kiwi fruit. For joas, if you can be bothered.
2: Yeah, I don't like them, but
0: a lot of people do. Hey, we agree on something. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You name it, it's all out there. Come out and have a feast.
0: Yeah, and get some pineapple. If you've got a cold and you need to get rid of that mucus, it's a good way to get rid of it.
2: Yeah, and you know also uh, the pineapple's good if you've got hay fever. It's like an antihistamine.
0: Hey, there we go. Double double, it's all good trouble. Um, John, great to see you in the, in person. Yes, it's good to see you too, guys.
2: Independently yours, Triple R.
0: 102.7 3 Triple RFM. Did I mention the fact that we're delighted to have you on board? Well, we are. Uh, we're getting towards the end of the show today, and um, I thought it might be a good idea to. Get someone on. A man for whose life has been one glorious party. An event after event after event. And uh, as I said to him the other day, you know what, John? Whenever I'd come to an event and I would see that it was put on with you, I was always able to relax and just go, hmm, it's going to be okay. I'm speaking to John Flower. And we welcome you to the microphones. I'm sorry we couldn't have you in, mate. But g'day, how you doing?
5: I'm really good, Cam. Thank you.
0: So, from a. a a history of working within hospitality, which I'd love to talk about, especially a couple of the restaurants that you were involved in early in your career, Uh, a move into looking after hospitality and then putting on event after event after event. You've decided to uh, take down the shingle.
5: (laughs) Yes, I think it's... um uh, it was kind of a bittersweet decision but it was something that I guess was brought forward because of COVID um, it may not have happened as quickly if COVID hadn't have happened but it did happen so um, you know that's life and I, and I think you know I've had a pretty amazing um, time in both restaurants and uh, public relations and the events that you mentioned. So um, I've
0: got I've got a lot to look back on. You certainly do, and of course uh, we, we I've been remiss because um, I'm trying to learn this medium. I'm trying to get better <laughs> at it. And Matt's laughing because he was just about to probably pass me a note going, "What's the name of the company?" And of course that is.
5: House media and
0: events. Yeah, that um, and and you um, have acknowledgement for the person that came up with 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 that name. But
5: can, I, can yeah, we just? It was, a, it was a friend of mine who um, is an actor, and um, when I was thinking of starting up Hothouse, and um, I was having a drink with Robert Taylor, and and he he said, "What are you going to call it?" Yeah. So what's it going to call? Huh? I said, I don't know. I said, all I know is I don't want my actual name associated with it. Yes. And and he his nickname to me was Johnny Hothouse Flowers.
0: Johnny Hothouse so, Flowers, hey.
5: So um, so he said, call it Hothouse. And, yeah, that's how it came that.
0: Well, come on, go with it. I mean, it's there in front of you and you may as well take it. But let's talk a little bit about um, your early Career. What? What sort of drew you towards hospitality in the first place?
5: Well, I, I grew up in a small country town on the border of the Murray and on the border of New South Wales in Corolla. Mm. and Corolla, um, and I wanted to tra- to travel was, you know, I suppose a way of, of of leaving a small country town. But it was also something that I had a really strong passion for, and I loved. Food, I loved cooking, and uh, I guess the decision to once I eventually got to London was to work in in a big hotel and and to <laughs> learn as much about the industry as I could. Yep. And fortunately, I I was able to get a job at the Intercontinental Hotel, and That's not in having London. a lot of yeah yeah right on Hyde Park Corner. Wow. And. But um, the funny thing was that in order to get my foot in the door, I had to take whatever job was available at that time. And my first job at, was the, it? at the intercom was a minibar attendant. <laughs> you go along, and <laughs> now, here I am. I've made it knock on the door you don't sometimes catch people quite um in different stages of various th-
0: things I, isn't there a latin term i think in flagro delecto i think is the uh, the term the, you might be looking for that's
5: that's the one
0: mm. sometimes um, not so but, delecto yes anyway yes
5: but it was kind of that so i was i let um human resources know that i I wanted to do other stuff as soon as possible, and 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 I guess I was because I was uh, spoke English, and a lot of the other guys that were waiting there and girls were all really foreign students, foreign students or foreign career people in hospitality. So I kind of quickly moved from um, the mini bar attendant to a lobby waiter. So I kind of strode up and down the lobby and served afternoon tea in a set of towels. Oh, awesome. Um and that was all kind of silver service. So How how old uh, are you
0: now when you're doing this? Just just to give us an idea. Twenty three. Twenty three. Look out. Yeah. And you knew everything.
5: Well, I learned you learn very you have to learn very quickly when you yes. when you don't have the background knowledge. So you learn a lot by observation and I was fortunate to have people that were, you know, taking me aside and saying, John, this is how you do stuff. Mm. So I did a lot of banqueting. They to have big banquets at the Intercontinental as well, so a lot of banqueting. Um, and then um, from there, I moved into the, the coffee shop um, at the Intercontinental, and that was kind of, you know, we served all food all day. Yep. Um, and i was <laughs> it was again you know kind of lucky. I was the only guy there, the rest of the ter- the rest of the people that was girls only that worked in that restaurant in yeah. the coffee shop yes so um I was the only guy there, but um I got along well with the man the manager and, and she gave me a chance and my end goal was to to make my way into the Suai restaurant, which was the premium restaurant in in the hotel and, and, of course. and specialised in souffle. So I eventually moved into the started off, um as a, an assistant wine sommelier and then moved on to food. And um, in in that whole hierarchy of restaurants in London, you do a lot of table cooking, so you learn to... Oh, the yeah, work. Table. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'd, Did you, you have know, a
0: favourite dish that you used to like to do Gerardon style?
5: There was it was a it was an andrecut Marco Polo which was made with gr, with green peppercorns oh, and yeah. you cooked that you cooked that at the table. So your your, your classic was,
0: pepper was, steak and the great, yeah. You know the thing I used to find about that was you could get the pan bloody hot and you could yeah. get a really good fireball with the brandy once you hit. <laughs> yeah, but it, but then so you, yeah. you you left the dart, and then you came back to to Melbourne and. Um, I which, came back to no, Melbourne.
5: which came first, the copper pot or the fish calf? Um The copper pot first. Yes. So I came back to Melbourne. I actually worked for a couple of years at the Scala restaurant in in Ballarat. Yes. And then the opportunity came to buy um, the copper pot in Bendigo or buy the lease on the copper pot in Bendigo, which I did. And that was kind of an amazing... You know, it, it had always had... A, a really good restaurant, was that uh, a the, reputation as a restaurant.
0: Can I cut across? Was that the Van Handels that first started that? Who, but they were involved no. in that. At, were they involved in that at some stage? No. But no?
5: They were very good customers of oh, mine. Oh, okay. You're right. They... They had a whole lot of different enterprise in Bendigo, but um, they had Clog's Pizza, which was a fantastic pizza. The pizza
0: place, yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah, go on. And so, it was
5: just across the road from me.
0: Ah, uh, okay. So, and um, so you're at the the Copper Pot, which sort of brought fine fine dining. Yeah, so, to so
5: to I had my she- my chef was a um, was a, a, a German chef who was brilliant and had been the head chef. Herman Schneider, at two faces. Whoa. So he was, uh, uh, yeah, an amazing chef and a b- brilliant. Um, his food costs would be the envy of any restaurant <laughs> anywhere in Australia. I would no, imagine. No was, wonder he, he made you ex- happy. Exceptional. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we had. Um, we, at that time, we kind of we we were awarded one chef's hat, and then we were awarded two chef's hats. So that's something that I'm really really proud
0: of. I'll bet, I'll bet. And then, but then you moved to Melbourne, and um and you started off something which was, at the time, it seemed quite groundbreaking with the last Aussie fish <laughs> calf in good old Park Street, South Melbourne.
5: Yep, it was. Um, I guess it, it was a groundbreaking restaurant. It sure was. It, I, Ian Hewitson was um, my business partner in the Fish cat, and he kind of had a philosophy. If people so people left the restaurant saying I had the best time and the food was good too, mm. um, and and that was how people thought about it. And the the phenomena that was the Fish cat was quite extraordinary in that people who would come to the restaurant and. Would be at the next table. By the end of that night, they were making a date to come back again with a bit sure, with with the two people from the from the adjoining tables or whatever friends or maybe people all
0: going home together. It was uh, it <laughs> well, <laughs> was it was quite a, a conducive atmosphere because just to paint the picture, it was sort of like a um, a fifties. Tell me if I'm wrong. Fifties diner with awesome yep. food, a jukebox front-of-house staff who were just awesome-looking, like very, very great-looking people who knew how to to have fun. And I would imagine uh, the amount of drinks that you served at that place would have made you smile greatly. Am I correct?
5: Yeah, it was party time every night. It was party time, yeah. And it was... the, The whole concept was to be fantastic seafood and really interesting and different innovative ways to serve seafood yeah um, we only had one non seafood dish on the menu yes and it, but I think that it was and it was also to um, the staff were amazing in that we encouraged them to be the best at service they possibly could be but to also be kind of cheeky and upfront with
3: flirtations
5: and it, mm. everyone loved it. And
3: yeah.
5: and it, I guess the the funny thing that happened because this, the the fift you know the whole fifties thing. Um, it, I I used to jump up on the bar and mime slams from the juice box into a pepper grinder yes. when I was much thinner and very fit. Yes, and,
0: and the, the live John Flower. And we meant not, yeah. a, not only live on the bar, but live and moving around. So yeah. that was a, a great place. But we probably need to talk to about events in about the last four minutes that we have together because time flies. Yeah. Um, yeah. You turned your hand into uh, doing PR. And um, I was wondering if... Just very quickly tell us about that transition, but I'd love to know about some of the, you know, to use the Charles Dickens, the best of times, the worst of times, as to how those events went.
5: Yeah, look, the, when I moved into public relations um, and events, uh, we've, you know, we have done everything from. Um, the logies I've virtually done from the beginning. So that was very much on the event side, but we also managed publicity for the Melbourne International Flower and Garden Show, the Melbourne Marathon, the Dog Lovers Show, Cat Lovers Show, um, you know, different fashion events, um, you know, and I worked in, when I first moved into PR, I worked for 11 years on Australian Fashion Week, which was a pretty amazing experience. And, yeah, it's a know, feather in your cap. Was kind of was there when Linda Evangel- Evangelista's zipper on her Alex Perry gown broke and she <gasps> had a complete meltdown tanty. So it was, it was kind of there's some amazing things that you know, when you think back over those eleven years of fashion week, was we're, were pretty extraordinary, and met some amazing people. And, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, and my my job there was to was to do a seating plan for every show. Oh my god! Yeah. So you know, I'd be I'd be working, like twenty five. the, the two days before I virtually didn't sleep because... As to trying
0: had, to work out had, the permutations of who sit next to who.
5: And and it was very it was so political because yeah. if, if people didn't feel... A lot of the media and the buyers thought they weren't sitting in the right... They would get quite cranky with me.
0: Bitchy, I would be paraphrased, they, yes.
5: But I, I think that um, I've still got so many friends from those days um, and, and when I sent out the email that you received yesterday, just sort of saying thank you to everyone, Yes. and you know, I've got some amazing sort of um, thank yous from people dating back to those days, you know, who have said really nice things about me, which was um, very, I guess, quite heartwarming, really.
0: John Flower, you deserve to have great things said about you because as I um, was sort of previously intoned that... You always did events right. You, uh, your planning, your forethought, uh, you're just, just. I, I don't know. It's just you. You, uh, you, you knew how to do it. You still do know how to do it. And uh, and one of the things I always remember was if I was at an event and I saw you there, I would know. Hey, this is going to go just fine. And I would just wanted to give you a big hug on the radio, acknowledge your contribution to these industries and to thank you very, very much and uh, look forward to seeing you around the traps.
5: I'm sure I'll be seeing you, Cam, definitely.
0: Yeah. John Flower, thanks for ha- throwing so many great parties and dancing on the bar and singing <laughs> to that peppermill too. <laughs> See you, buddy. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Uh, John Flower there on three Triple R. I just thought it would be a good idea to acknowledge a great talent and someone who's contributed so
1: much to this town. Yeah. Matt Stedman, thank you. Cameron Smith, thank you. Vanessa Morris is in the studio up next with Still Here on Triple R.
0: Ready to go, and we're going to leave it there. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye bye. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.